0: Welcome to this episode of The Decade Podcast. My name is Melker Larsson and together with Jonathan Angel, I am the host of this show. This is a podcast where we curiously explore holistic sustainability and answers to the question, how on earth can we live together? Join us as we learn from inspiring stories from champions of sustainability and beyond. We hope to inspire you to think, act and work for a better planet for all throughout this decade of action. In this episode, we explore how to best live our lives and how to expand our consciousness. You know, the small questions in life. So, since 2020, uh, we have gone through a lot and so has our guest in this episode, Niels von Heine. We discussed a bit what has been the big shifts for him personally in his exploration as he is a great pioneer and explorer of consciousness and modern society and sustainability and is also great at communicating whatever he finds in these deep realms of exploration to us in a quite simple yet not reductionistic way. Since our last episode with Nils he has amongst other things written a book called 42 which we use as part of the exploration in this episode and there are four questions in that one and We talk mostly about the how question that is in there, how we live our life and how we do what we do in the world. And he believes that this question is a key to creating the change in our lives and emphasize the importance of approaching life with curiosity and compassion. And how that in turn, if done collectively, can help birth a new culture. He also discusses the role of science as a belief system and the three degrees of impact that our actions have on the world. He encourages individuals to accept difficult moments as this is where maybe the deepest potential for healing and transformation lies in our individual lives. Overall, Nils' message is one of personal agency where we have great opportunity to start the work of transformation in ourselves that it's not only in the outside world that we can create the change but through doing the work ourselves and doing it together with others we can help create cultural change so with this said i welcome you to listen to our second episode with Niels von heine Welcome to this episode of The Decade Podcast. We are thrilled to have Nils von Heine back on the show. How are you today, Nils? I'm good. I'm a little bit tired. I, I'm in Mexico
1: <laughs> and I've, I've just come out of a week-long retreat in the Mexican jungle working with plant medicine. So I'm I'm a I'm a little fragile in some ways, but also really happy to, to be here with you guys again. And i have been looking forward
0: to this conversation. Yeah, us too. And it sounds like an exciting place to explore from in this conversation as well. I just wanna recap a bit what we talked about now in one of the first episodes of this podcast series at all. So for new listeners, uh, Nils was on the show back in 2020, in the spring, and we talked about personal development and its role within sustainable uh, development. And as as a metaphor of how cells interact in a body as parts of a whole or holes in a bigger whole, um, we talked about your personal journey to where you were in 2020. We talked about something that we were both involved in at the time called the world of wisdom. And we talked about the current societal systems and that they maybe weren't the best solid base to build a sustainable world upon and that you believe in small communities and creating networks of them. And we talked about it a bit more, but in general, you are a pioneer and an explorer, or maybe you could call it an early adopter, I would say, throughout <laughs> the period of time that I have known you. But in this episode, we are maybe, to one regard, unpacking a bit what has happened since our last exploration. So if we just take the the big, distinct uh, events that has happened since last time that you feel are present with you today what would you say since 2020 has been the been the big changes for you personally mm. good good question and thank you for allowing me to reflect a bit on that
1: um what's coming up is um i have uh, i was already a father and now i have one more child since mm-hmm. then and that is is highly irrelevant for me because i'm noticing how it's sharpening my focus uh, both towards the present moment of, of trying to be as present as possible with my children, but also towards the future of dedicating even more of my work into creating a foundation for them and their generation with all of the experience, challenges that, that humanity is currently experiencing. So I think that's actually the, the main thing that my kids are helping me dare to step into more alignment and step up even more into my experienced truth and trying to be as authentic as possible in, in everything that I do. So I think that's, that's the main thing. And then other than that, it's been a journey and it keeps being a journey of, of alignment and, and personal healing and, and growth to some extent, but primarily when it comes to what I do and what I create in this world, the alignment seems to, to continue. So I'm exploring how can I be in even more alignment? How can I stay even more true to my own path and purpose in this life and, and be as honest and vulnerable and authentic as possible when I when I try to show up for myself and others in this world?
0: Maybe that sounds very diffuse, uh, all of that, but <laughs> but that's what's coming through at the moment. Yeah. And... Maybe this will be one of those conversations where we float high into the f- philosophical realm, but we'll we'll try to bring it back to concreteness because, as you know, what we are exploring in this podcast is the question, how on earth can we live together in a macro perspective and then finding different perspectives on that. So I'm curious, as we're g- getting into these topics that can be philosophical or spiritual, um, what would you say based on this personal alignment of being present what is your practical mission in the world as of now mm. how do you feel that my
1: practical mission in the world at the moment is um, i would say it is to do my own personal inner work and, and honor my own personal journey and use that as a starting point and a tool to support others Uh, and others can be other individuals it can also be organizations initiatives projects anything that is pointing towards the same point which you could call a sustainable or regenerative future human society and my role seems to be both doing a lot of deep exploration myself but then also finding patterns and and translating those patterns uh, and sharing them with others not as a as a truth or a, a blueprint that fits everyone, but as support tools to support our individual journeys and our collective journeys into that future that i'm I'm sensing on the horizon and that that I really want to get to
0: mm. That's very interesting because one thing that I have always felt about you is as the pioneer and explorer, explorer is that you venture far into something, but then there's the communicative aspect of you that bring it back in like, oh, and there's three parts of this that I can communicate <laughs> straightly to people. Um, so part of the reason that we are having this conversation in, in this moment is because you've released a, a book quite recently called 42. And there's the subtitle of a... It's something like a simple guide to explore your life or something like that. Yeah, it's it's Um, a very long subtitle. (laughs) Let's see if I
1: can remember it. Uh, so it's called 42, a simple guide to explore and live your life and change the world while doing it.
2: Mm. Exactly, that was (laughs) great.
1: It's
0: a very very long subtitle. It's not the best subtitle, but that's what it
2: is.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it comes into the topic of how hard it is to communicate and describe what you're trying to describe in that book of (laughs) that subtitle. But so let's start from that of that book, you explore how to live your life and how to change the world while doing that. And what does that really mean? Like what's, I'll ask a more specific question. There's four questions that you guide that book around. Tell us about those questions and why those questions specifically. Yeah. So it's, it's
1: really a book of, of questions and, and perspectives. That's the way I would describe this book and the four fundamental questions that yeah, to your point that the book is built upon are the, the, the four questions that, that I personally found after a lot of exploration to be the four fundamental questions. It kind of stopped there for me. I couldn't, I couldn't really formulate other questions once I had those four, for me as a, as a human being, having this experience of living life. And, and to me, And I think to a lot of people, those questions are, who am I? Why am I here? What am I supposed to do? And how am I supposed to do it? So the book circles through those questions in that order, though you are welcome to read it in in any order, as the book also points out. And then it's, it's just exploring those questions from various perspectives. So it's partly, it's an invitation to explore. And then I'm also, my mind is also finding patterns in that exploration, so it, kind of ends up with a a potential kind of common perspective that I'm not trying to invoke on on anyone, but it's the one that's currently resonating with with me. Uh, so it's partly an invitation to explore and your own perspectives. And you know, it's there are questions in there and, and it circles through everything from spirituality to science to religion mm-hmm. to just rational thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's kind of the framing of the book. And then the book ends or lands in the how question. And well, that's also, I mean, the topic of your podcast, and that to me is the most important question at this time mm. you know, in in my life and also in, in the history of human development is the how mm. um, question.
2: That's very interesting. And I, I haven't read the book page by page yet, but, what I really appreciate with it so far is that it's not about the book telling you what the answer is. it's it's helping you to kind of process the things by yourself. So, I think that was a really nice framing and how to explore these questions. And I, as Malcher said in the beginning, and I remember that, this was I think the topic of a conversation was like personal development connected to sustainability in the first episode and we talked about the importance of discovering who you are and, and and what kind why it is so important for us in the process of creating a sustainable world. And to unpack these questions of who am I, why am I here? What should I do and how should I do it? I mean it's such a deep connection to your authentic self, in a sense. But I'm really curious, again, to hear your thoughts on why is it that this process is so important that many of us do this on a global scale or a meso level or a macro level? What is the impact of us doing this kind of work to create a more sustainable world? Yeah,
1: great, great question. And this is, I actually partly explore that that question in the book. So my current perspective is that we are going through uh, an evolutionary leap as humanity. I'm pretty convinced, but that is obviously just my perspective. It doesn't have to be true at all. But my mind is pretty convinced that we are currently going through a, an evolutionary leap. So evolution is is leaping, and. I think that what is happening is that we are becoming, we're slowly starting to truly become one organism mm. called humanity. And we as individual cells, and kind of bringing it back to, to our conversation two and a half years ago, are starting to understand that. So in your own, you could call it an awakening process, you could call it an alignment process, personal development, in a work, whatever you want to call it. You start with yourself and, and these questions become important for you. And you start exploring them and you start questioning things in your life and narratives and norms that you've been brought up with. And you start sensing that there is something else. And as you explore yourself, and it's quite common that with that comes the perspective that we are all connected. We are all one. We are all playing various roles in this existence. And it's kind of a perfect puzzle. And we are meant to play different roles. So I have one role and Jonathan has one and Melker has one. And if I can align with my own purpose and path, and heal anything I need to heal in myself while doing that, then I can start playing my role in more synergy with my surrounding environment, just as a cell playing a role in an organism. So I'm I'm doing a specific thing as part of the organism humanity, and you are doing other things. And if we're not aligned as cells, then the, the organism doesn't work. Mm. And we're at a point where It seems that we need to find ways to live in harmony and synergy with ourselves, with each other, and the planet that we inhabit. Mm. So the organism humanity is trying to find a way to actually live a sustainable life on this planet because currently it's not sustainable. It seems pretty clear that if we're not finding that alignment, then the organism will not survive in its current form, at least. Mm. So, and this is, if you look at evolution, and there's a lot of work by development biologist Bruce Lipton on this, it's also in the book, this is actually what evolution looks like, is that it's partly happening through changes in the individual, generation by generation. Mm -hmm. But then at times you have these leaps, almost as a quantum leap, where evolution does not happen primarily inside the individual. It happens by individuals coming together as a collective and forming a new organism. Mm -hmm. So we've had that happen already. We look back in, in history quite a few times when you have an organism consisting of one cell connecting with other cells, and then they create a, a boundary around them and all, all of a sudden it's a new organism. But the, it consists of a lot of tiny organisms or tiny pieces of awareness. So to me, that is what's actually happening right now. And, and that is one explanation for why so many of us are experiencing these shifts and also the friction. So the shift happens both through us seeing a potentially new, brighter, and more beautiful and sustainable future, and we're getting attracted to that. But it's equally happening through pain, where mm-hmm. we're increasingly feeling tension and friction in our personal lives, that something is wrong, I'm not feeling good, you have mental illness, you have cancel culture, you have war, you have all of these things that, that goes into the meta crisis that are basically mm-hmm. just pushing transformation. And And that is my current explanation of what is, what is happening. So we're doing this work, not just for ourselves as individuals, we're doing it not only for our children the next generation, but actually for the entire organism of humanity to find a way to live in synergy with its ecosystem. Yeah. Stopping Mm. there. Mm. I (laughs) have.
0: Can I go here? Because I have a few perspectives, if you don't mind. The first one is this really interesting analogy of using the scale of the human body to explore interrelationality of how cells make up the body where it comes to mind that the meta crisis if you take that as our nutrients that we're feeding the big organism the human body it kind of makes it interesting what happens to the individual cells within the body when we're feeding it with uh, lots of negativity wars mental illness and that would be the equivalent of smoking a few packs of cigarettes a day and hoping that the lungs will be fine, kind of. It's also a perspective that we explore connected to the climate tipping points of what if we view rising temperatures or biodiversity loss as our human bodies getting a fever or a human body having a digestive disease or getting Alzheimer's. Quite quickly, we would seek to change something because of the pain signals, because we're not okay having a fever we want to change it we want to feel good again as a whole organism and i feel that that's also a, a response in many many humans across the globe as immune defense immune system in a way I mean, i'm just playing with words here but it it's um it's a funny perspective i think
1: yeah i think those metaphors are really important actually um yeah go ahead but i, I have a perspective to that uh, to add in a minute. yeah
0: yeah there's it builds into what i'm going to say next which is Often what I find with people who are working with these big questions or getting engaged with sustainability or impact work, social or otherwise, and the exploration of exploring ourselves and who am I, as the first question of your book is, is oftentimes I hear that the perspective of who am I gets a broader definition of not just, if you use the body analogy again, that's, well, I am the cell in this organ, within this tissue, but I am also at least part of the body. And so I'm going to work to benefit the body because that is benefiting me as a cell, uh, which was the other perspective I wanted to, to share. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for sharing that. And to your point, if I start at the, the end point, that is really
1: also what evolution seems to be telling us is that at a certain point you have these collectives form because of that reason, because the the individuals, they can't evolve any longer as individuals. And this goes into awareness and and how awareness seems to be evolving through us or the experience of awareness evolving through us. And I'm not going to go into a, a long thing about that, but basically what that perspective is telling us is that there seems to be two ways for us to evolve beyond where we are today. As humans, in terms of awareness or consciousness evolving further, and one is to get bigger heads, and that doesn't seem to be happening. And the other is to connect to collective communities, and the reason for that is survival, because we cannot evolve further, and then things start breaking down. And the only way forward is to actually find new ways to connect and live in in community and as one organism. And then also, what what seems to be one to said through me is that the importance of, of metaphors and analogies and stories and questions because that is actually what seems to be shifting people more than facts so facts are not the best tool to engage people into making changes but metaphors stories and questions are so just talking about it in that perspective i think is very important rather than just you know putting fact upon fact upon fact upon fact about how the world is changing because it it rarely actually Nudges people or resonates with people that much
2: mm. Mm. yeah, very fascinating, and for me, it sounds like it's a very fun and exciting time to be be alive There's a lot of things that are are happening and a a big part of your your book is what you call that du- dualities runs the show what you uh, explained earlier that there's a lot of excitement and what we talk about a sustainable future that we really, really want and desire. And at the same time, we're experiencing a lot of pain and that it's kind of how things work, but we will get into more about the questions and, and, and the content of the book, but I'm curious to unpack a little bit more. What is the background for you putting all this together as a book? What is your, what, what, what are the your exploration and experiencing based upon that came along to be this, this book in the end. Yeah, it really started with,
1: I mean, my conscious inner exploration of myself started in, in 2014. That's kind of when I became aware of (laughs) that I was doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's been going on for a few years and I've, I've explored, as you know, I've, I've explored a lot from, you know, coaching to breath work, to yoga, to men's work, to shamanic work, to plant medicine, to Mm. you name it. I haven't done everything, of course, because no one has, but I've done a lot. And in that exploration, I started finding these patterns, which helped me understand myself and the world that I inhibit. And after a while I just had so many patterns swirling around in my head that I had to start writing them down to kind of just, keep them somewhere. And as soon as I started writing, I realized it was, it was becoming a book. So my intention when starting writing was not to write a book, but as soon as I had a, you know, it just started writing. My experience is that it very much wrote itself. And then I had two years of a, a very synchronistic experience that I was writing this book chronologically. And as I was writing, new things just appeared in my life experience. Mm. So I stumbled upon a you know an article about something that just fit perfectly in the book, or I was having a conversation with someone about something else,
0: mm. and that
1: person says something that just fit perfectly on the next page of the book, and that <laughs> kept going until the book was done and that also allowed me to find a bunch of things i I hadn't found I hadn't seen that came towards the end of the book so it, it, the book in itself was an exploration for me, and especially what I'm actually stepping into now is that I've even found a I put a name to a concept that is in the book, but the name is not in the book that showed up two weeks ago. I, I realized that without spoiling too much of the book here, but the book it kind of centers in on the how question and in the how question it centers in on the present moment, because that is actually where how lives. Uh, there's no other way, place, no other time where you can express your how how you live your life than in the present moment you can't do that in your past or or your present so it brings you to the present moment and in that present moment all you actually can do the way i experience is that you you observe the present moment you take it in and then you act in it by using your words and thoughts and body and things like that so it comes down to how do i observe the present moment and how do i act in the present moment and once that Kind of appeared when i was writing then it also appeared that well in the present moment i have my conscious mind and my subconscious mind and most of how i observe and how i act is run by the subconscious so if i wish to change or, or consciously design how i observe the present moment and how i act in the present moment i need to change and consciously design my subconscious we do that when we're children primarily from the age of being born till around seven that's when most of our subconscious mind is being programmed or designed. And we do it in, in a few specific ways. We, we repeat consciously, you know, we practice walking and practice walking and practice walking, for instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we mimic our community and the people and the ideas and the activities and the places that we're surrounded with, where attention goes. Uh, and then we're in deeper states of consciousness in be, primarily between alpha and theta waves. So kids are kind of like daydreaming in trance constantly. Uh and and the mind is really susceptible to being reprogrammed and redesigned in those states. And as an adult, you can do the same thing. So what the book kind of lands in is is this practice that is now finding a name and it's going to be called conscious subconscious design. Uh, <laughs> so you can consciously design your subconscious into changing your experience of your life and changing how you observe and how you act in the present moment so Mm. that was a little rant about that but uh, that to me is like the key thing about the book
2: (laughs) Mm, yeah i love it and um, let's let's dive dive deeper here then uh, in the how question because that is actually one one of of the books to kind of consciously changing your subconscious mind and one part is that where you talk about kind of hacking our subconscious mind to save humanity in a sense and we can you talk about three different ways where we can change our subconscious mind and that is uh, amongst other things through brain waves or community can you talk a little bit more on that i'm very curious to hear you unpack that more to kind of how can we hack our subconscious mind to save humanity yeah so it starts with the individual
1: and uh, what we've already said here is that we have our unique individual experiences and I'm, I'm still exploring this, but I think that we have a common pattern when it comes to how we would like to observe the present moment and how we would like to act in it. Mm -hmm. So, basically start with that, with that. It's about asking yourself the question, how would I like to observe the present moment and any present moment? And then just see what comes through. And then ask the same question with, how would I like to act in the present moment and see what comes through? And we're going to have different choices of words. We won't all use exactly the same word, but what I'm sensing is that It's fairly, the direction of the answers are fairly, more or less the same for most people. So when observing uh, the present moment, most people don't say, I want to observe with a closed mind, with judgment, with fear, you know, with anxiety. Mm -hmm. No one I've spoken to says that when answering the question. Most people say something like, I want to observe with an open mind or an open heart, with curiosity, with, you know, love, something along those lines. Mm. Um, my word in this, it also goes in the book is is curiosity. I think that's a great word for summarizing it, but it doesn't have, you don't have to be the same word, but that allows you to really observe the moment without your, you know, your limiting beliefs about what is, and it allows you to really take it all in and experience it more fully. It's like open yourself up to the present moment. And then when, when it comes to acting in the present moment, most people don't say, I want to act from a place of fear, anger, aggression, violence, and so on. Most people Mm -hmm. say something that is connected to love. Uh, You know, I want to be caring or loving in in my actions or compassionate. And my word, my chosen word is is compassion because it's a form of love that works Mm -hmm. in all contexts and I can direct it towards myself or anyone else uh, in the moment. So, that's kind of the starting point is is you set an intention for how you wish to observe and how you wish to act. And for me, that my personal intention sounds I welcome everything with curiosity. That's the first first part of my intention, and the other is I welcome everyone with compassion. Mm. So this is my intention. I'm not promising myself that I will always succeed in doing that, but it's the direction that I'm setting for myself. and it's and it's the the recipe that I'm trying to design my subconscious mind into playing out for me since most of what i do and think and say comes from the subconscious if i make my subconscious do this automatically then it this is what my life experience will be so that's kind of the individual level and then the way to do it is it's the combination of of conscious repetition using a mantra for instance or just thinking about this thing and repeating it as often as you can in your life focusing your attention to people places initiatives activities communities that you feel represent this perspective that you feel are observing and acting in the way that you want to do and and not bringing your attention to the opposite for instance and then in in deeper states of consciousness meditation trans plant medicine and work etc you can activate this um this little recipe of yours to also kind of engrave it into your subconscious and then it also helps a lot to calm down your central nervous system Because when it's not calm, it just plays out what's already there. Mm. Uh, So when I'm not calm, and I'm just playing out my current programming. And it's really hard to change my programming when it's playing out. So you can do that short-term by prolonging your XA, looking at something beautiful, playing with kids, and so on. And you can do it long-term by doing all of your inner work, meeting your shadows, uh, healing yourself, and so on, old trauma. Uh, So that's kind of the recipe that you have to work with. And then the third perspective that's being put on top of this is that, well, since it seems that we have more or less a common direction for this, when you ask people, then that could be a common recipe for a lot of people. And we don't have to decide the exact word, but if we did, then my suggestion is curiosity for observation and compassion for action. Mm -hmm. And then if we do that as a collective, if we collectively reprogram our individual subconscious minds, then we are birthing an entirely new culture. And we just need to, to reach a tipping point of, let's say 10% of the population do this and start moving and acting and observing like that. Then that will ripple through all of humanity and all of a sudden we will find ourselves in a, in a new experience of humanity, which is, is characterized by curiosity and compassion rather than all the other things that is currently characterized by. So it's a, you know, if people choose in, to step into that perspective, then we can collectively really change the world by this kind of simple practice of just changing how I observe and how I act in the present moment. And then all else follows like what we do and what we create. And, you know, all of those initiatives will follow from that starting point from the present moment. I'm not sure if, if that made any sense. That was a very quick round yeah. through of a 300 page book. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I think it makes total sense to, to bring in the individual and collective perspective because Oftentimes when we talk about sustainability in perhaps a more tangible way, one of the primary uh, responses that people use to deflect their own sense of not responsibility, but opportunity to be part of this societal shift is that, well, my own individual actions won't matter for the whole, which this brings to the top of mind. And like, first of all, there's the social tipping point of how culture shifts by the the individuals that make up the culture and it's also this real approach of taking agency of yourself and realizing that this might be the greatest Avenue you have for transformation is inside you so I think you can all sometimes hear false dichotomies when we talk about sustainability like some people, believe with faith that it has to change top-down. It has to be the regulations on fossil fuels and the the laws and the punishments and incentives will one thing or another, or it has to be completely bottom-up with uh, only individuals doing work and doing it in collectives. I think it's refreshing to hear the possibilities in each of these perspectives of how they also interact because culture is... And the stories that we talked about that guide us are often in between the humans, in between the, the structures of how we interrelate with each other. So I uh, thank you for bringing that, those words into this conversation of how we really have agency as individuals and that our exploration as individuals is important for our collective. Yes, it's, to me it's crucial. And it's not
1: only top down or bottom up, it's also inside out and outside in so when i change my inside i change my outside and and there are so many perspectives on this you can look at yourself as an electromagnetic field which science really says that we are and and from that perspective i'm energy i'm a vibration so whatever i think and say and feel and move and act and do is expression of energy and it's moving into my surroundings So how I show up, how I communicate with the people around me and where that is coming from, from my inside will have a great, it's gonna impact the world to a great extent. And we're also so densely connected today that we have this science and science is is a belief system that a lot of us are brought up to believe in beyond anything else. So
0: it's an important language to use for a lot of us. Just talk about that for one second of why it's a belief system.
1: Yeah, <laughs> well, because, because uh, everything you believe is a belief system. There, there's nothing, it, when, when it comes to your thoughts uh, whatever you're thinking is a belief, it's a belief system. There's, you know, you, the way I experience myself is I'm an experience of consciousness. I'm experiencing consciousness or being consciousness. And that's all I know to experience. So I can't really say that anything else is there beyond the experience of consciousness. What I believe is part of that consciousness. Consciousness is imagination, belief. It's this, you know, experiencing thing. So I treat science as a belief system as I do any religion uh, or any, you know, beliefs I have in a specific diet. Or if one you know, person is better than another, it's all just beliefs. And belief systems are guiding us to a great extent. And we tend to run into problems when we say that a belief is is something more than a belief, that it's pure fact and it's undisputable because no science in the history of mankind has been proven to be undisputable. So it's all just beliefs and temporary perspectives and we need them, it's important. And if we speak of of science and, and, and the potential of you as an individual human being, then science today is telling us that we're living in a world of three degrees of impact. So whatever I, I do, whatever I say, however I show up and my behavior impacts my friends and their friends and their friends. So friends, friends of friends and friends of friends of friends. And that's a lot of people in this densely connected world. And there's, there is, it, it seems to be, uh, this is not, Science, that belief system is not, uh, hasn't been able to measure this fully, but there seems to be at least a a common belief that on average, you will interact with about 80,000 other individuals in your lifetime. So you have 80,000 interaction points and three degrees of impact. So the number that that adds up to that you as an individual have a direct impact on is staggering. It's, It's more than all of humanity, basically. So how I do things, and and what i bring into the world what energy what vibrations what thoughts what words what actions what movements what kind of breath i breathe into the world impacts all of the world a great deal much more than we can ever see or or feel or understand and once you understand this then what seems to be happening is that you you have a greater sense of empowerment but also responsibility that if i don't if i don't deal with my own shit that mm. shit travels into the world. And and whatever I create will hold that shit. So whatever company I create or text I write or words I say, it's carrying my shadow. It's carrying all of the stuff that I haven't resolved, that I haven't dealt with, that I haven't faced, that I haven't owned up to. And and that's what I'm bringing into the world. So I have a choice of, you know, how much alignment do I wish to step into? How much of the inner work do I have the energy to do? because all of that impacts all of the world around me all of the time.
0: Mm. Yeah. Thank you for that. And on that personal note, like how are you feeling that is your life getting better as you get more in touch with uh, these questions and the potential answers to them? How are things shifting? Like now afterwards, the book has been written and like there's a physical product of that exploration.
1: Yeah. Um, My experience of life is that it's expanding and equally in all directions. So as I'm getting access to, you mentioned dualities, Jonathan, which is a Mm. really important pattern explored in the book that this experience I'm having of being alive is an experience of a whole bunch of dualistic spectra or dualities. So I have opposites that are also connected and they need each other in order to be experienced exist so you have light and darkness for instance i can't experience light without darkness and the other way around so they not only need each other they are relying on each other so they're actually one and the same thing and they are opposites and you have good and bad and you have me and you and you have young and old and you have life and death and you have Hmm. everywhere you look feel sense here you have dualities dualistic spectra and, as I'm exploring life, I'm experiencing that I'm getting access to more and more of these. And as I access them, I learn how to deal with them and handle them. so as a as a young child, it's much harder for me to to handle the the emotional spectra, for instance i'm I'm crying and i'm you know i, I I'm just having these experiences for the first time, and the separation of self to another self is difficult to deal with, and you know but I learn. I learn to deal with these spectra as I go. And as I manage them or learn to handle them, I get access to more dualistic spectra and more and more and more and more. And, and there seem to be an infinite number of them. So, my experience of life is not that it's getting better or worse, it's getting both. Hmm. I'm, I'm just getting more, it's getting more better and more worse. I'm getting more uh, sensitive to emotions as I get access to more layers of emotions. And I can't just access the good side of it. I have Mm -hmm. to access the entire spectrum. And the the entire spectrum has both sides, and I can't avoid it. So the kind of, you know, only going for the blissed out state of being fully conscious and aware and awake and life becomes just a smiling, happy place. I don't see that as a possibility because then you're taking out one half of the spectrum and mm. and, and you can't do that. It seems impossible to do. Mm. So my experience is that life is is, is expanding. It's becoming mm. much more magical and beautiful. And I'm becoming much more happy and much more in tune with myself and aligned. But I'm also having much more pain, feeling much more the burdens of 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 having access to this, of being a parent, of you know, all, all of these things.
2: Mm, this is uh, very fascinating and this is something that uh, you obviously talk a lot about in in the book dualities and i also hear or heard you talk about acceptance a lot like accepting who we are and accepting the feelings that we're we're experiencing and these opposites that you talk about and i think what I've been—if I just take myself as an example—to—and you said it yourself—that we we don't really like the downs as we like the ups. It's more comfortable to have the the positive, nice feelings, and the the pain is something that we're so hesitant towards. But if I'm understanding you correctly, that is that is part of the human contract, kind of to experience that to be able to develop and get a more prosperous life but i think that it's so easy that we get stuck in our comfort zone then because we want to avoid the challenges and the pain but from your experience how is it that we can handle these downs a bit better or how can we use the downs as a more in a more sustainable way for us to then take further steps in our development and as a result create a better world
1: Great, great question, and that is the, the human experience. We don't like the downs, we don't like the pain. Like I'm currently, I'm coming out of this retreat and I'm sitting with a lot of pain that has been activated in me, and it's not a nice experience, and a big part of me don't wanna have the experience. Uh, but it holds information and it holds guidance uh, equally to all the light side. So when I feel in full alignment, and everything's super happy, and I'm just so grateful for everything. It's like, wow, this is the life I wanna live that's important information for me to find alignment. But when I'm in the opposite state, when I'm triggered and activated and I feel like shit and I'm confused and depressed and whatever, uh, that's holding the same amount of important information, it's guiding me. So it's it's showing me that, okay, something, there's something here for me to, to find because this is a signal. I'm getting a signal from myself that there's something here to look at. Like, why am I feeling this? Rather than just trying to avoid it. So the way I, I try to go about it is I try to stay with it and I try to listen, and I try to also accept it as a, um, as a reference point. Because if I can't feel this pain, then I can't feel the opposite side of the spectrum fully. So the more joy, the more pleasure I can feel, the more kind of pain and disharmony I need to be able to feel as well. That doesn't mean that I have to consciously seek out the pain, but it's coming, you know, we're flowing through these waves. And I'm constantly experiencing the entire spectrum just from one temporary vantage point. So it's, to me, it's about acceptance. It's about trying to see the value of it and the gratitude. So now that I have something triggered in me, I know that, you know, okay, this is, is showing me and it's it's showing me that there's more for me to do. And I have more potential that I haven't tapped into yet. And it's also reminding me of how nice it is to not be in this state. (laughs) And I want to do the work to resolve whatever it is that I need to resolve um, to kind of go back into that more blissful state. But these loops, these waves of experience will just keep going. And you you cannot avoid them. It's just Mm. impossible to avoid them. Eventually, you will have to have challenging experiences so to me it makes more sense to try to accept it than try to step away from it and it's also there where the deepest whatever you want to call it healing or alignment awaits is that when i actually find my friction point that's that's where the goal is that's where i can do my deepest work and really feel that i'm leveling or evolving or kind of stepping into the next phase of my life because otherwise i'm just going to be stuck in the same trigger point Mm. Mm. and that gets that
0: gets boring and increasingly painful over time (laughs) (laughs) that's almost funny to some extent but like these types of conversation i could delve into this for a long 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 time but uh unfortunately that's not the luxury we have here today. So I want to take this opportunity to ask you once again, our signature question of what would you like to encourage to listeners throughout this decade?
2: Mm.
1: I would like to encourage listeners to explore their how, how would you like to observe the present moment and any present moment that you experience and how would you like to act in it? That's, that's it. That's the core question for me.
0: Mm. Nice. Yep. Love it. I'll, I'll do that. I do that continuously. That's, that's a
2: good exploration. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Niels, for uh, the conversation today. And uh, lastly, if uh, listeners would like to find out more about your work or order your, your book, where could they go? Uh,
1: multiple places, but I would say my website, probably nilsvonheine.com, is the easiest mm. way to, to find all that stuff.
0: Yeah, perfect. Awesome. Thank you so much, Nils, and take care. Until next time. Thank you, boys. Have a lovely day. Thank you.
2: Thank you very much for listening to this episode of The Decade Podcast. I would like to ask you to reflect on anything in this episode that impacted you or left an impression that you could take with you in this decade of action. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend or in your network on social media. And as always, feel free to reach out with feedback, questions or topics you would like us to cover. You can reach us through our social media or on the decade podcast at gmail.com. And we hope to see you more further down the road throughout this decade. Thank you. Until next time.